is, in a way, a mystery man. Out of nowhere, with a handful of students and scarcely any pros, he's managed to win three presidential primaries and is given a fighting chance to take a fourth, Tennessee. A win in that state would take on added significance for only once in the last 50 years as Tennessee failed to vote for the winning presidential candidate. Here at Movie Night Extravaganza, we have criminally neglected Altman. Altman has a reputation for being a director that deconstructs genres, revises them, and purposely defies conventions. He has inspired many of our current directors, including the Coen brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson, who have both cited The Long Goodbye as being influential on their films. In 1973 and 1974, Altman took game at the noir crime genre with The Long Goodbye and then Thieves Like Us. The Long Goodbye is definitely controversial for having Elliot Gould with a 70s row playing Philip Marlowe. At a time when Philip Marlowe was probably best remembered as Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep, Lee Brackett, who co-wrote the 1946 adaptation of The Big Sleep with William Faulkner, was hired to write a screenplay adaptation of The Long Goodbye. Altman satirically put his Elliot Gould, Philip Marlowe, into a modern 1970s setting as if he was a two-decade-old Rip Van Winkle. Take your clothes off. Would you like me to take off my clothes? It's okay with Why, me. it's a pleasure. As a matter of fact, everybody. Harry, everybody Wait take a off minute, your clothes. Marty. I don't want to take off my clothes. I have too many scars. I understand. Go on inside, Peppy. Go on inside. Thieves Like Us starred Keith Carradine and Shelley Duvall as a couple who fall in love on the run. The novel Thieves Like Us had been previously adapted into a movie called They Live by Night in 1948. Ironically, Robert Altman stuck much more faithfully to the book than the 1948 adaptation did. And not just because he kept the title. Keith Carradine, Shelley Duvall, and Elliot Gould are among the 24 leading actors in Robert Altman's 1975 satirical country music mockudrama, Nashville. That is the film we are going to be talking about tonight. It's hard to pin Nashville down, and in the 48 years since it was released, it's been hotly debated from every possible side. I'm thinking, you know, about the first job I ever really got was when Mama, my grandma, she, she's the one who clacked her false teeth to the radio all day. She taught my mama how to sing, and Mama taught me. One time she took me down because we were going to get a new Frigidaire. Nashville depicts five days, from a Friday to a Tuesday, in the country music capital. 
as the film wants to take us through the mundane but busy everyday existence of both country western stars and the normal people who surround them, it's a brilliantly structured film. Rather than having us follow each of these 24 threads separately, a lot of the action takes place at large events, where the characters are able to freely come and go. There is a political backdrop to the film, as the main action is centered around the insurgent presidential campaign of Hal Philip Walker, a replacement party candidate who has won three presidential primaries and aims to make Tennessee the fourth one. Willing to battle vast oil companies, eliminate subsidies to farmers, tax churches, abolish the electoral college, change the national anthem, and remove lawyers from government, especially from Congress. The politics of Nashville has been debated and analyzed as much as everything else with a lot left in the air. This makes sense, especially when you realize that they shot the grand old Opry scenes on the same day Nixon resigned. America itself was up in the air. Four months before his resignation, Nixon desperately went and played piano at the Grand Old Opry, hoping to regain his footing by spending time with the Southern voters who had given him their support twice. Presidential candidate Hal Philip Walker is never glimpsed, but spends the movie driving around, yelling into a car speaker. Robert Altman's frequent collaborator at that point, Joan Tewksbury, wrote the screenplay for Nashville after going to Nashville at Altman's direction to scope out the scene. Several incidents in the film were taken directly from Joan's actual experiences on that trip. And as far as the film has a central focus, it really doesn't. But the Hamilton family is as close as we get. Henry Gibson's Haven Hamilton, Ronnie Blakely making her debut as Barbara Jean, and Dave Peel as Bud Hamilton. Al Walker's condescending media consultant, John Triplett, is tasked with getting the Hamiltons to agree to perform at a gala concert for Walker's presidential campaign. He exploits the fact that Hamilton clearly has future political ambitions of his own. Triplett is paired up with Ned Beatty's bumbling organizer, Delbert, who's the Hamilton family lawyer. Some of the side plots, like the folk rock trio having a love triangle, Bill, Tom, and Mary, which is clearly a parody of Peter, Paul, and Mary, come to us as John Triplett tries to put the Walker Gala together. Others, like Elliot Gould's cameo, or the sad story of PFC Glenn Kelly, or Shelley Duvall's role as Elliot Joan, a teenage groupie who's supposed to be in Nashville to see her dying aunt, are plots we encounter around the Hamilton family. A heartbreaking major plot involves Barbara Jean having a nervous breakdown and being hospitalized on the same floor as L.A. Jones' aunt. Still others, like Suleen Gay and Winifred, are local women who are trying to break into the Nashville scene. Altman takes pains to remind us that the Nashville country scene is very much apart from Hollywood and yet is equally obsessed with spectacle and its own importance. Well, we're going to be yeah, we'll line up a lot of movie stars. I think people down here feel that movie stars are eccentric. Crazy. Although the trappings and locations might be different, the same superficial obsession with fame and relationships to the general public exists in Hollywood and Nashville, as they do in any center of popular culture. Shelley Duvall's teenage group character in skimpy outfits that make her uncle say, I'm sorry, she's from California, falls into the same routine in Nashville you'd have to imagine she did in Los Angeles. In a more sympathetic and sad storyline, Lily Tomlin plays Ned Beatty's wife, Linnea, who's trying to break through as a gospel singer and cares for her two deaf children. Rather than going with the swarmy and dishonest John Triplett, Altman and the audience's outsider gaze is captured by Geraldine Chaplin playing a possibly fake BBC documentarian named Opal. Opal may be just another crazy person latching onto fame, and it's hinted throughout the film she might not actually be a BBC documentarian. 
Nashville in 1975, also happens at the same time as the ongoing sexual revolution. For young men, but especially for women, acceptable sexual behavior and mores were rapidly shifting. Nashville explores affairs. Apparently everyone having an affair in Nashville does it with Keith Carradine. Affairs, casual hookups, and groupies are all part of the 24 storylines. Whether it's Lily Tomlin's Linnea being moved to sleep with Keith Carradine after hearing him play, needing a break from a mundane and difficult home life, or the folk music trio that's splitting apart because Mary is in love with Keith Carradine. And in the case of Shelley Duvall, the way that endlessly chasing pleasure can untether you from everything you should care about, to the raw exploitation that comes with the music business in general. The changing cultural and sexual mores are explored in a traditionally conservative cultural milieu. Country musicians and Nashville's residents hated the way that Altman portrayed their community and fans. They felt like the Hollywood director was just trying to poke fun at the hicks down south. However, Altman definitely caught on to the zeitgeist in a very real way. I would argue that Jimmy Carter, elected in 1976, latched onto the same synthesis of Southern charm, outsider populist energy, and the same pop cultural moment that Altman attempts to explore here. The sprawling and pretty incredible achievement of Nashville, with its 24 character threads, is considered Robert Altman's magnum opus, and for good reason. You get him. You get him. You get him. But, but help all. I'm all right. I'm all right. Get walking out of here. Get walking out of here. Come on, get up off your head. Wait a minute, man. Watch your head. Y'all take it easy now. Listen, Dallas, it's Nashville. Oh, man, she's This is Nashville. You show them what we're made of. They can't do this to us here in Nashville. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Nando Villa, head of studio at Exile Content Studio, producer of Trumpland and Trumpland Kill All Normies, and has worked for a variety of media companies, including Fusion, Jacobin, and TYT. He also hosts Woke Bros with Big Waz. I, of course, am your Academy Award-nominated host in a supporting role, Forrest Miller. Let's bring out those nominees. That's right. <laughs> I forget. I always forget that tag. That's that's that works still. Hey, Nando, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Just checking. You guys, you can hear me, right? This is yeah. yeah. You're a little low though. Tiny bit low. A little low. What yes. about now? Now it's good. That's better. That's yeah, better. now it's good. I'm a professional, you guys. I was ready. You know, all my setup was perfect. So. Uh, yeah, you were early even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's normally when we do the show. Mostly because, because I fucked up on my end the schedule and the time. And so I was like, I cleared. I was like, oh. And so that was actually kind of nice. I had like an hour 
just to kill and just you know, chill. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was good. Get, get, in, get in the get in the mindset, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got ready at like six. I was like, oh wait, we're starting at nine. Whoopsie! So I, <laughs> I just See, it's, it's, we we are the car crash in Nashville as just a group of people trying to figure out when the correct time to come on this podcast is. That's why we always do it at the same time. Anytime, it's just it's it's non it's total nonsense. Otherwise, uh, I I. It's great to be talking about Nashville. This is a uh, so this is the type of vibe movie that gets attributed to Magnolia, which is like a Nashville child, if you will, uh, and also shortcuts child. But this is all Altman. Altman, like this is he's the master of this game, and this is arguably probably the best of its of, of this genre. And um, yeah, like it's it's kind of hard to describe. It's like okay, if you follow these people around in Nashville for a few days, <laughs> what? That sounds terrible. No, no, it's great though. It's fantastic filmmaking. I hate country music, but I like musicals. It's how I assume that if you like kind of take a bus to Nashville and just hang out there for a few days, you'd have probably <laughs> the same ex- like list of experiences. Which which makes sense that that uh, Joan Tewksbury, who's like you know credited as the writer, who's like uh, Altman's like collaborator from this period, literally Altman was just like go to Nashville and see what happens. And that sounds like a threat. It wasn't a threat, but he's like, he's like, go to Nashville for a few days. But like, the studio will pay for it, and just like, see what you see. Like, uh, something that's taken directly out of it is the car. Like, you know, as you see behind us, like, she saw like a multi-car pile up on the middle of the highway, and like that made it into the movie. I mean, yeah. the weird thing is when you told me to go to Nashville uh, for for the show, you know. Uh, <laughs> It did not end well. We're covering Nashville. We didn't say to go to Nashville. Yeah. (laughs) Oh damn it. Yeah. No, but I I can't get my uh my my my, uh kidney back. (laughs) Comedic style into Jandal World, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Nando, when's the first time you saw Nashville? When time? time First first time you saw this? Um, I would say maybe I might have been in. When I when I watched Nashville, I was certainly too young. I think I, I, I was when I was like kind of in my like uh, uh, pretentious, annoying, uh, budding cinephile phase in high school. Uh, right. We discovered that our school library you could just rent stuff for free, and that was like the great like no one ever went to the library in my school. I don't know, it, was, it wasn't like a thing, and um, we discovered that you can rent movies for free, and, and that's kind of when I first started watching a lot of these classic 1970s movies and some of them i loved right away and nashville i think i mean even if i had seen it maybe as an adult i wouldn't have i don't know if i would have gotten it the right away it's definitely a movie that the more you see it the more it kind of washes over you the more it lives within you you start to realize like this is this is like one of the greatest this is one of the greatest movies ever made and one of the greatest pieces i think of American popular art ever. Like the guy, look at Altman just like captures like America with like all of it. Um, and, and a sort of central id of America without being like an annoying pretentious dick, like by, by, by like while twirling yeah. his little mustache and, and kind of <laughs> giggling to himself as he's doing it. I mean, that's, it's just, there's nothing quite like it. And especially it's, and it's on, too, especially like it's like, on like the uh, the top 100 most influential like AFI's list or whatever you know like 100 movies 100 years or whatever like I think it's I, I read somewhere that it's number 73 or something on the list which is pretty far down but I mean in the in the entire history of uh, you know at least 20 cent, 20th century filmmaking like it, it it ranks within that like 
you know, the, the stiff competition. Yeah, it's like all of filmmaking. Well, and I think you're, you're, the the, re, the repeated watching thing works out well too. Because think about the fact that just how many characters there are with not like side characters, yeah. but like fully realized yeah. stories that you dip in with these folks. They're doing this, then they're over here, and then they meet up over here, and then these ones and the crisscrossing. And again, I, I, and I like Magnolia. People attribute that to P.T. Anderson, and I, I I like Magnolia. But it's like yo, that is that is inherently Altman. That is like pure uncut Altman flat out and it's of course that kind of thing because it's a fully realized world will uh reward first of all anybody with any patience or ability to like sit with the story in a vibe but you're going to be able to catch other things that you missed before because there's things like crosstalk like natural crosstalk in a way that actually happens in life but in a way that's still cinematic where it isn't just like all right you're at an annoying party and everyone's talking over each other it's like our after parties (laughs) <laughs> this goes beyond just an ensemble cast like everybody yeah. has like a starring role yeah. what's yeah. like what's up with jeff goldblum he just runs around on his tricycle i know i told her like jeff goldblum's in this movie she's like how i'm like she's like what movie what year this came out I'm like in the 70s she's like oh he young <laughs> and then he's like shaving in the junkyard you never know why why doesn't i don't know he's not gonna tell you well i mean no they're camped out in the, i mean they're camped yeah. out in the junkyard like it seems like uh they're on yeah, tour or whatever yeah. but um yeah and and you know this is pre uh rpg days so uh you know every there's no such thing as a side character that takes you on a side oh, quest yeah. to go like yeah. <laughs> but uh no I, and i think it kind of fascinating other it kind of also reminds me of like link ladder uh like you know 20 years yeah. later doing mm. slacker and mm-hmm. um I, yeah. I feel like i feel like uh totally i guess an opposite thing but uh his love letter to austin and slacker pretty much you know like kind of just following people around reminds me of this a lot but i don't feel like this is a love letter i feel like the uh the ironic distance that altman keeps from all of his characters in this is uh is very palpable which, which pissed off everybody actually in nashville They're like it's not like that there were two things <laughs> two things they were mad about one they said it wasn't like that, and two, their music didn't get used, which is the most quintessentally yeah. Nashville thing. Yeah, actors themselves wrote the song. That I mean, like, I love that, and I see that as music. Going to <laughs> a ca- like make a movie today and being like, okay, actors, you're not only going to sing the songs, I need you to write the fucking songs. You know, all of them, and 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 great. And your, like, <laughs> I'm in. You need to reflect <laughs> your character and the fucking theme of the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is which is. I mean, what's amazing about Nashville to me is that it, with all the different characters and the kind of aimless plot and the 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 various different tones that that exist within it, um, it all kind of holds together thematically um, remarkably well. Like it's it's it is there yes. is a central theme. Well, it's hard to music was still good. Country yeah. music yeah. was still good. And, yeah. and it's hard to like kind of articulated and i'm sure altman himself probably didn't even have it like written down somewhere like the theme of nashville is this he just kind of felt it intuitively um but he was somehow able to convince all these people to develop these fully realized characters all of them incredibly differently you know they're all just very different people um and all fully realized people but but they all kind of hang together perfectly it's just it's 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 one of the most remarkable achievements that i can that i can think of in in any movie I and and I so that's all great points. I completely agree. And I think that one of the things that people at the time were complaining about was like, you know, oh well, the, everyone's so like merch and careeristic, and you didn't use any of my songs. It's so deeply hilarious. It's like you're you're yeah, so close like, to getting it. You're you so sound close. like a character in Nashville. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and it's and you have things like so Philip Walker, replacement party candidate, who you never see by the way, but his ubiquitous presence and like that van as I like, going around and like. 
we attribute that level of populism charitably at best to something like Ross Perot or something, right? Like, you know, an independent sort of corporatist, right? Billionaire kind of thing. But if you listen to what he's saying, it's actually pretty like progressive yeah. stuff. That's just oh, sort of this. like, it, 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 like in populist uh, uh, terminology and the idea of there being an independent candidate in, let's be clear, swing state, Tennessee, Swing state. Lest we forget, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is, it's, it's practically science fiction in this day and age, but like, it, it, it's such a great snapshot of the time, that bicentennial time. Forrest and I were talking, uh, I don't remember, it was in the group chat or what, of just like how, like, you know, there was definitely like people that were like, oh, well, that's BS. And then when it came time around the bicentennial, I mean, everyone on the panel wasn't alive when this happened, but people would be like, oh, well, actually, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, which is sort of like the Ukrainian flag of uh, <laughs> your Twitter profile. Of today. Well, um, and and actually, it's kind of funny. I think uh, Nando talking about Rick Perlstein was the first time that I th got it in my head. You like you and Ben talking about it. And I give them an argument. It was the first time I got it in my head. Oh, I should read uh, Rick Perlstein. But he writes about in the Invisible Bridge. He he takes all of the um the different bicentennial op eds, pretty much where people are like, uh, this country is rotten. Like Nixon is just you know resigned. Everything is you know going to shit. Jimmy Carter's kind of just become president. There's like somewhat of a hopeful moment, but they're like, no one's going to care about the bicentennial. You know what I mean? And then, you know, on the bicentennial, people are like, wow, I just feel so patriotic. Just right. you know. <laughs> Again, science what? fiction, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> America 200, I mean, let's go. Yeah. The, 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 those Rick Perlstein books, I think, were really open my eyes. I mean, th that and beyond, just the, the, the 1970s were we're basically the last gasp of America as a potentially more decent country than it, than it became, you know, um, there, you know, that it was, there was this kind of moment, um, especially around the church committee, like, you know, Mark Ames called it kind of an American glasnost. Um, there was this moment where maybe we could have become a, a, a better society, a better country reigned in some of the worst excesses of, you know, the national security, whatever, you know what I mean? Like that there was this kind of opening an opportunity um, to to really transform the country, and then we just yeah. got Reaganism, and then the rest is history. And I think like watching Nashville and understanding the 1970s and understanding that opportunity, and then the door shutting. It seems like Altman almost predicted that. I mean, I think the yeah. the songs that bookend Nashville, I think, really kind of set the theme perfectly, which is like you know uh, the the Henry Gibson character singing, uh, "We must be doing something right to last 200 years." And then, amazing um, like that that, that super schmaltz like you know like oh, totally. gas station like, like, music is what we used to call it yeah <laughs> with the pretentious kind of military march drums and shit yeah and then the final song um after barbara jean gets killed which is something like the something like people saying like you may say that i ain't free but it don't worry me you know what yeah. i mean like which is, which is like played... that is to me reagan like reaganism in a nutshell like right that that is to me uh, a sort of american desire to just put your head in the sand and just be like la 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 i don't care you know like blah, blah, blah you know like I, i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna be well and and you know, the, a noted uh, lefario because remember it was uh, keith carradine's character that wrote that song or rather yeah yeah and you have it at different moments right you have the audience that are uh clapping and saying it don't worry me at you know the trio as they're standing up there because it's supposed to be their big you know the peter paul and mary's type uh yeah. Uh, trio. It's supposed to be, or as I call it, a that's for sure. Menage a folk trio. Um, 
like <laughs> like uh there's supposed to be like them on stage like singing that or whatever and that's like their big their one big hit that everyone like you know keeps uh clapping at them or whatever when they're playing and then yeah. later on in it they also sing it a different time too which uh kind of reminds me of I, I i finally watched the long goodbye last night like the entirety mm-hmm. of it i've watched clips of it but it kind of reminds me of how throughout the long goodbye right like there's they're teasing that song until he finally you know caps the guy and then he sings like he hums a different song like it's like the whole yeah. movie was trying to get that song out of his head but in the yeah. same way they do that with it don't worry me which is a song written by keith carradine and the the seed of this movie comes from uh keith carradine being at a cast party for thieves like us playing on the, like a guitar or whatever like playing it don't worry me and playing his like uh i'm easy which were both you know songs written by him and he didn't want to be that character in the movie, but like Robert Altman was like, "No, these are like yoinks the fucking music from him." And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm doing this for the movie now. Music. And tried to give that, uh, you know, like to Gary Busey, I guess. Like that was supposed to be the charity character, which would have who was the- a leading man at the time. Let's let's yeah. let's, let's let's level set for people that are not <laughs> familiar with the fact. No. Once upon a time, Gary Busey was a leading actor and phenomenal. And a good actor, actor. too. Yeah, not just like the punchline of a joke. <laughs> and he which... wrote the best song in this movie. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he, he also is a songwriter too, and that's one of the reasons why he uh, played um, uh, what do you call it, Buddy Holly. And, and, but anyway, uh, I, yeah, no, all the, all those are great points, and I think uh, you can also see it in little areas where the character is given room to expand. Like, um, uh, you know, we we mentioned uh, the um, Hayden Hamilton character. I love that. Uh, I can't remember the, the his wife's name, but like how she's like tells that thing about like basically like uh, it's, it's almost a little soliloquy about like you know uh, talking about politics and about how like you know uh, with the kennedys she has a deep affinity for the kennedy yeah see that's not supposed to be his wife that's supposed to be just like the the bar owner of the bar that oh really okay with. it's it's yeah. super it, it wasn't very clear to me but i was but okay, um, what, no, whatever I, the I relationship look, i had to look at the <laughs> like the kind of a plot summary for it so i guess that's just like one of the bar owners at the place that he works at and they're like sleeping together who's like an alcoholic and she's drunk the whole movie the there's yeah. a kind of they hint there at it there's there's the backstory, and I think that's why he sings that song where he's like, uh, "Let's stay together for the kids" or whatever. Um, the white wife- is an incredible song, but there is, yeah. there is a long history of those style songs. Also, in all well, those so the songs wife, were the wife, live. something happened. They yeah, got divorced. Right. The wife moved to Paris with whatever guy I think. And uh, they hint it throughout the movie, but they never quite come out and say it. Yeah, They're and that like, could just oh, be a movie in and of itself, right? Yeah, just like most of these storylines. And but but I, I specifically, so whatever the relationship, and I, I guess I didn't know any of that. But like, <laughs> I love that. Like she goes on this little thing about like you know, well, you know, politics, this and that. Oh, the, the Kennedy boys, you know, that we got it wrong and that one. Like and 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 the thing where like ultimately, it's very clear they're they're like traditional conservative, you know, at best we'll say Rockefeller Republican types. Uh, around this time, right? Like that's what you called a Rockefeller Republican, which people still think exists and they do not. It's an extinct species. But mm. uh, like the fact that there's a deep affinity for the Kennedys specifically, you know, not the least of which uh, tying in with, you know, the, the sort of superficial nature of so many other storylines and, and characters in the uh, movie is that like handsome guy, handsome guys, right? And like that, and and, and so that's the intro. And it's so great because it fits perfectly with these overarching, you know, very superficial uh, aspects of things that cause these coalitions and, and cause these um, <laughs> agenda items and, and things like that. Okay. And it's just a little improv, like little thing right there. It's a fantastic scene. And there's so many of them. But also like just the little, like, like Altman is so kind of, 
I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of like facile to say, like you know, he 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 hits him, he hits both sides. But like the Keith Carradine <laughs> character, who's like you know, like a despicable human being, obviously, like in every on every level. Just oh sure, like totally full of shit guy. You know, when when they're in the airport and he sees the uh, um, the 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 army sergeant, he just looks at him and he goes like, "Hey, Sarge, you kill anyone today?" You know, that yeah. he's just like an annoying, like one of those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and he, like and coming from him, it's just like it's just like, dude, you're the most full of shit guy in the world. Like, you don't even oh, amazing, know. right? Like, so you know, it's great. <laughs> so hypocritical, and conservatives to this day still treat any sort of protest as if it's like that guy and that type of discourse for sure. Well, also and, and the thing, the thing to I think that's like uh, really funny about it is that it's clearly like a band that's uh, like trying to do like the the folk thing, but also a, like apolitical, like purely apolitical. Because later yeah. on, when when he's trying to get them to appear, the thing you know what I mean? She's like, "Well, we're re registered Democrats." And uh, he's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care about politics. And he says the same thing at, in that scene. Yeah. He's like, I don't care about politics, but I'll be a dick to this fucking, you know, hey, sorry, did you kill anyone today, guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's that's part of the uh, that's part of the his identity, right? Like, it, yeah, it's sort of like it, it's well, and and I love the Michael Murphy character. Of course, Michael Murphy, um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. You know, we we don't speak the name of of the director of Manhattan, but he's he's great in that. But Tanner eighty eight. His, his character in that is like, I mean, anyone that's remotely interested in politics, you got to watch Tanner 88. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. But I like that here's a consultant, right? Like the, the, his character. Yeah. And, and, and sort of like the 70s version of like the shifty consultant, which is, is adorable by modern well, The populist kind of outsider candidate is like, you know, he's got like the, the machinery underneath him, the same old yep. greasy, disgusting machinery underneath him and like leveraging celebrity, like all the same bullshit that you know anyone else would do is is just hilarious and it's amazing that uh it's such a different era because like calling it the replacement party is sort of like ooh, like <laughs> that's lo loaded term this day and age but yeah, the great, uh, yeah. the great uh <laughs> the great replacement is coming in house of walker so how walker is um Good. is actually played wait, 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 both, both played and based on uh thomas hal phillips who is a novelist and uh, kind of, you know, country songwriter from this time period who does the voice and everything. But um, he, he was a, he was actually like a Democrat. And I guess his brother was a, a person that would like ran for governor and he tried to do his brother's campaign as a Republican. He was a lifelong Democrat that actually was obsessed with both FDR and Kennedy. So like a lot, I feel like a lot of those uh, side comments are kind of taken out of his like exact experience. Well, because it wasn't that long ago. Think about the time period this is, right? That's like less than 10 years ago, like uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the time period of this film. It's yeah. like recent history. You know, it's like Occupy, like, uh, distance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't expect that to be the conversation killer. Uh, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> also how amazing. Well, I was processing how, what you just said. Door. You know, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. How how amazing after again, spoiler alert, uh, for a movie that is older than I am. Uh, the that, um, that line, this isn't Dallas, this is Nashville. What, what a great line! Oh my god, because it <laughs> this, first of all it tells you everything you need to know about Nashville. Yeah, as a right. Texan, I'm offended by that, and, and I will, <laughs> um, I, I'm now uh, like uh, required to hate him. 
So, right. <laughs> but it, it's it's you know it's it's easy to forget how many like political assassinations uh, and like different shootings happened around this time, right? Like three yeah. like three times. I mean, the final one, Squeaky Fromm got arrested or whatever. But like they tried to assassinate Gerald Ford when he was standing up there talking, like bumbling around or whatever. Yeah, like, three different people took a shot at him. Um, you know, there, there's like she has uh, any regrets for that yeah, there's, too. <laughs> there's just uh, you know, there there's all of these political assassinations, not just the Kennedys, um, that that happened like on stage in the middle of like rally you know shootings of uh celebrities shootings of politicians and i i feel like we've almost we've we've lost that cultural memory um yeah, because know. you know it's security like, is after reagan like nobody's tried and it's like come on people you had you had plenty of chances to go after reagan <laughs> yeah, they tried with some a few congressmen and stuff it's kind of sad that we have the one the, uh the gifford uh shooting or whatever with yeah. on the congressional baseball field but i mean that's still you know it's different than like what it used to be where you could like you know i mean yeah. taxi driver makes fun of this too right like or yeah you know, but like well so include, congressman yeah. leo ryan got assassinated yeah. while in jonestown that's true i think that's he's true. like and, one of the um, few congressmen to actually be assassinated while in office and that happened in uh, 78 well and uh oh, i'm blanking on her name she was going to do a shoe at bush you know <laughs> absolute hero follow him on twitter uh, <laughs> Do you really? That's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he uh, is actually fluent in English, uh, so but, so uh, occasionally I understand what he's saying. Has he has he done anything else other than that? I mean, that's that's like uh, he's sort a journalist. Of your, uh... He's oh, okay. he's a uh, you know a noted journalist in the area. So so like you know uh, he's yeah, always that, writing stories. That's like the never mind of shoe throwing. Like it's sort of like there's no one's ever going <laughs> to. We always celebrate it every year. He's yeah, like, exactly. I did, yeah. I did what I had to do. I should invite him on the show. <laughs> But um, the the other thing that this sure. kind of uh, the, other, the other thing this kind of pairs is uh, George Wallace getting shot on stage yes. during his uh, during yes. his I think it was 1972 if I'm not mistaken uh, presidential yeah. campaign which you know yeah. was down in the south and he was demagoguing away doing the same kind of I mean not the same kind of pilot but like it, it's the same kind of outsider like uh, you know southern tour that you would do for your presidential campaign after taking off which you know in a very different way. But uh, you know, like, but it was uh, like, yeah, it was proto Buchanan, Trump, like all of that sort of like uh, right wing outrage machine. Uh, before yeah, that, back in my day, back and, in my uh, day, Donald the, Trump the, the would story, actually criticize Pat Buchanan. The the story behind uh, well, Donald Trump ran in the Reform Party to, so that Pat Buchanan wouldn't be their uh, their person. But um, yeah, no, so so George Wallace's shooting happened because the guy didn't have any like idea about like you know his segregation and shit he was just like i want to be famous and i feel yeah. like in this movie it kind of takes the same thing there's no necessarily like political motive behind it because he ends up shooting barbara jean he just kind of uh angered and seems like he wants to be somebody it isn't somebody and he's talking to his mom on the phone obviously and like you know it's shifty the entire movie and it's interesting you think it's going to be the, the the soldier guy um it yeah seems like it, for the first half of the movie and who ends uh, up stopping it from being worse you know, I have a uh, random yeah. film fact. Okay, lay it oh. on us. So, uh, this movie's 11 Golden Globe nominations remains the most for a single film, I think. Wow. And it also received four nominations in a single acting category. This was and remains unprecedented for major film award shows. Mm. Dang. Wow. That's how much of a masterpiece this film is. Well, how do you divide? I mean, how do you divide? Class uh, of Best Picture, you know, it was one of those, uh, one of the that 1975 class, like the, uh, you know, Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like Nashville, Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, was it the Conversation, or am I thinking of it? Like, Dog Day Afternoon, maybe. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a crazy like just year. Like every, you know, just bang, like classic after classic after classic, and 
Um, Who did you know, vote I think for? Keith Carradine won for I'm Easy uh, for the song. Um, and I think yeah. that was the only win. Uh, but is this, it, it, it was, was, it was the not too, not to of its year. Yeah. It's like it's like a foreign novelty to to most uh, coastal sickos, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, um, is this your guys' first time in, uh, watching Nashville, or, or are you guys uh, big Nashville heads? Yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't seen it since I was a child. I despise. <laughs> But I, 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 I love musicals. So like I saw this years ago because yeah. I was really into like um, I was into watching like Sweet Dreams by Patsy Cline and Cole Modern's Daughter by Laura Lynn. So this kind of, you know, I discovered that film through those films. So I was yeah. like, oh, I might like it. And I was like, oh, now this is country music. <laughs> Yeah, I that's funny, Jay Hutch. Uh, the, I, I uh, watch it as a kid, but like kind of like didn't quite connect with it and always kind of meant to come back with it's it. Kind of Shortcuts is the one at, when we were kids, what wasn't it? What's that? Andy? It was kind of ubiquitous whenever we were kids. It, it, was, like, it was around. It was around. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, granted, I was in Georgia, so like you know, not that far from Nashville, and the the um. Yes, uh, the Misty Mountain Boys did play Six Flags when I was there. Uh, as got a it in. He got it a in. And my uh, sister got to sing with him once. There's the story. That's it. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's the story. I was just going to say, for me, I obsessed on Shortcuts. That was the movie that like I obsessed on, which, uh, which great movie. was like a little bit later. That, that, that was like my uh, – and then later, The Player is like one of my favorites of all time, which we, uh, we've, we've talked about before. But yeah, like it's um, – that's – I I kind of feel like I view movies differently now and and like get different things out of them than I did when I, when I was younger for sure as, as to most people. But it goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? This is this rewards multiple viewings. I've seen it maybe eight or nine times. Um, Ooh, what a record! And I try like as a as a thinking adult, uh, like I finally am now. I try to watch it like at least once once a year. Um, and every single time it just feels different and you latch on to different characters and different little storylines, um, that, that in previous viewings, it's like, it's like almost like watching an entirely new movie. Um, I'm actually, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it at the new Beverly next weekend. Um, um, they're screening it and I'm like, I cannot miss that. You know, um, it's just, um, it, it really, it really does reward kind of more and like the more you watch it, the more it gives you, the more you like it. The more you think about it, the more you come back to it. The you watch it again, and then mm -hmm. you love it more. It's so watching it uh, eight times. Have you have you latched, latched on to the uh, you know the guy that finally shoots her and uh, yeah. has the I violin game? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you, do you do you think there are clues uh, about his motive like sprinkled throughout it? Or because I mean, there are the scenes obviously that I've noticed. Like, I watched it twice. I noticed the scenes, uh, you know, where he's like kind of like staring at her and like clearly like kind of like her voice or whatever sends him into a rage. But I don't know if uh, like like I don't know when he decides to, you know. It's honestly one of the one of the. You know, and and I'll forgive uh, Altman for not, you know, twenty five major speaking parts, all of whom feel, you know, all of their stories feel rich and and realize like the the killer of Barbara Jean does feel kind of like the most underdeveloped part of the whole movie, um, you know, whereas you know lily tomlin you know like if you think about like any of these people like they're not on screen for that long comparatively speaking but yeah. like they you, you you think that there's like a whole movie there um you know the killer story is probably the least um the least uh, interesting one i mean although barbara jeans is one of the most interesting ones 
you know, like the, that her, you know, kind of that type of person, the, the sort of um, performer who's been, you know, just kind of, they've wrung everything out of her. You know, and she can still kind of get up there and and you know sing. I mean, but she's doing these kind of like Joe Joe Biden esque, like just rambling, yeah. like listen, yeah, Jack. Yeah. You know, like what are you talking totally. about? <laughs> but that was like a thing. Like I mean, you know, this is before Elvis died and stuff. But like, yeah, I was reminded a little bit of Elvis. You know, by the end of his life, he was just kind of like pretty much just they plopped him up there and he would do his thing and he was saying that the whole mic for him. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I was reminded like that they. Once you kind of get the the irony is like once you achieve that success and they all want to be her, you know, she's the one like even Haven uh, Hamilton kind of is, you know, that she's clearly the top dog of all yeah. the of all the of all the singers in in the film um, that she's that, that once you do once you do achieve that, they just they just ring you out like they just they just squeeze every last drop you have. Um, also, um, which, which happens to be true. Look at Loretta Lynn, who like she's based yeah. on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like like also a lot of the like, according to Robert Altman, a lot of the musicians did not like the songs. Like people like within like the area were like, you should have used our songs. instead yeah. Our songs are a lot better. We're like, yeah, they, like and they yeah. get money, too. That's the other reason mm -hmm. why they want to get the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> and and like if that, you that, actually go to Nashville, uh, one of the things about that city <laughs> is that everybody who's there is like trying to break into country music. One yeah. of my favorite visual artists um, it, uh, went to Nashville to become a uh, mandolin player. And uh, now he's a, you know, well-respected um, printmaker. I think Why, I say right? well-respected mandolin player, which I was like, that that yeah. sentence has never it's been done. Well-respected <laughs> <laughs> player. But he did he did the cover of Breakdown Magazine, which you know puts a, puts it in perspective. Awesome. If you know what I'm talking about. Well, I, so there's that aspirational nature of everybody wanting to be a star. Uh, you have yep. certain um, stories that are tougher than others, like you have the whole um, uh, uh, the Sulin character who's who's like thinks she's yeah. a singer and she's not. She's being hired to basically be a hot chick and like that's a harsh epiphany and that's just absolutely oh, terrible and heartbreaking but then you have like what i what i think i love too is you have the um the albuquerque character who's just at large most of the movie like the, the runaway bride right and she's and you're like yeah. oh she's just like you know like all right she's just annoying and she's she's uh you know another another fame seeker whatever and then like post assassination she gets on mic and sings that that uh, that song and it's like oh no she's actually really good which is crazy because the they just she's the one now you know, right yeah there's someone new there's always someone the new replacement that, party yeah speaking yeah. of Albuquerque <laughs> Bernadette Peters and mm -hmm. Bette Midler were all for the role really yeah wow. Well, mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, let's see. Okay, 75. But, I can uh, see Bernadette Peters. Yeah, I think Bette Midler would be a little bit too. Because uh, uh, I, 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 I know who Barbara is. Too much presence. Is, too much presence. Yeah. Yes. Like, Bernadette I, I kind of like it that she 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 presents as like mousier even than like she is, like that's mm -hmm. most of the movie. And yeah. like in these awkward, like like the, the hallway where she's uh, talking to Barbara Jane and stuff and like trying to, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is so awkward. It's like, um, well, the, the, the term, term we use in music is it's a punisher so someone that comes up and just starts talking to you and won't let you go is like it's, it's you're punishing them like they're being punished so it's like, yeah mm -hmm. she's being a total punisher well and the the funniest scene i think in the entire movie uh she's standing on the racetrack the nashville racetrack and singing oh, right. 
and yeah. but because the cars are going by, and <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he has like a small chance to sing, but like, uh, and it's just as she opens yeah. her mouth. And there's so many like little, I mean, the comedic timing in this is great, right? Because yeah, even uh, even after like the the tragedy, like it feels like this this movie was almost uh, building up to like a punchline, which is you know Barbara Jean kind of getting uh, killed, but then in, within the wake of that. First of all, you see the John Triplett character, like the you know, uh, kind of wander away, like uh, like oh, I guess this is just another day for me, like trying to figure out you know the, this campaign thing. But then you also yeah. see uh, it, it close up uh, goes into Celine Gay's face, which is like dejected, which is like once again I've been thwarted the chance to like sing on a stage, and it's this this woman that's been like running around drunk the entire movie, trying to get it backstage or whatever, but like yeah. you know, getting shut out because she's kind of a little bit older, I think, and. Uh, she doesn't have like the the body or something that they're trying to you know use and and ring her out because it's a, it's a similar kind of exploitation and like wanting to ring somebody out but in that case it's it's purely physical which is uh you know as opposed to like talent wise which is what they're doing to Barbara Jean. There's a lot of um there's like a lot of different like inspirations of who all these characters are based off of, like obviously Loretta Lynn. There's yeah, also that, that's like the biggest Lynn one. Anderson, which yeah. is you know Connie White. Uh, Chris got uh, well, which is you know, Karen Black's character, Chris, Chris someone Keith Carradine's character is based off of Chris Christopherson, apparently. I mean, it, it's just really? also, too, like, um, Bill and Mary inspired decent Bill. actor in his own right, I might add. Keith, yes, yeah. Chris Christopherson's good actor, Star born, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's great, he's great man. <laughs> yeah, also, Bill and Mary were inspired by Bill Denoff and uh, Taffy Niverett, who later became the Starline Vocal Band, Afternoon oh. Delight. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, song, also, uh, that song is totally about dessert. It's <laughs> that's, like, that's a good, uh, that's a good Arrested Development bit. But uh, <laughs> it's also, it's also, um, they're also based clearly off of like Peter Paul and Mary, which yep. you know, yeah. uh, is is another like folk, uh, menage folk trio that. <laughs> and how great is that? Is I that scene? Music. How good is that scene where he's he's singing the, the song "I'm Easy" and then like you like see like the multiple different women that all th- like assume it's about it's them? Amazing. Like it's it's such a great scene. We're like, oh, the timing! Oh my god! So, so I, have, good. I have this uh, I have this clip of Keith Carradine talking. Um, nice. I'm gonna okay. try to avoid doing a lot of clips while while Nando's here because I want to get his thoughts on stuff. But I thought this was really cool. Sure. They uh, they interviewed Keith Carradine talking about um, how the music came about. Uh, Hey, John. Hello. I started songwriting when I was a teenager, and I, I had actually written I'm Easy uh, when I was in New York. Uh, I was 19 years old when I wrote that one. It Don't Worry Me, uh, that was inspired by the movie I did uh, with Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine that Robert Aldrich directed, Emperor of the North. It was really sort of a, a, a hobo song. And then Honey, Won't You Let Me Be Your Friend uh, was a song I'd written... Uh, in the early 70s, we were filming Thieves Like Us. And I think I had my guitar and I was playing some of my songs at this party and Joan and Bob heard the stuff. So I don't think of my music as being the genesis of the idea of doing the movie Nashville, but I do think that them hearing my music at that point had a lot to do with uh, how the film was ultimately conceived and the idea of of actors coming in and, and bringing their music to the production. Bill and Mary. And I was originally cast in the role of Bill and Gary Busey was originally scheduled to play Tom. And then Gary bowed out because uh, he chose to do a, a 
pilot for a television series called The Texas Wheelers with uh, Jack Elam. And one can easily imagine Busey playing that kind of a person. Bob, I think, took a perverse pleasure in putting me into that role, knowing how uncomfortable it would make me to play that kind of a guy. I wasn't comfortable with who I was being asked to be in the movie. I didn't like the guy, you know, and I was young enough and, and, and immature enough to have a problem with having to play somebody that I didn't like. And I remember at one point, the halfway through filming, I think it was while we were doing the exit in stuff, and I was feeling particularly lost and at sea and uncomfortable. And I went to Bob and, and said, Bob, I just, I, I'm not happy. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel good about what he, and he just said, ah, oh, you're fine. Oh, you're fine. Just, and he walked, he wouldn't talk to me about it. He knew exactly what he was doing. And what you see in the film the end result is this actor who doesn't like the character he's playing. Well, what the audience get gets is is a, a, a guy who doesn't like himself. So smart. I'm going to play something that uh, I wrote just recently. I came here to record. I'm going to dedicate this to someone kind of special who just might be here tonight. There's a song called I'm Easy. In the exit end scene, this thing of I'm easy was really an entreaty from an abject narcissist. It's not my way to love you just when no one's looking. It's not my way to take your hand if I'm not sure. You know, it wasn't the simple love song that I had written. It became something else. It became an incredible manipulation. The message of the music is that, I, you listen, I'll fall for you if you don't lie to me, basically, you know? And um, <laughs> he was a guy who, as a character, wasn't gonna fall to an for anybody, especially because he was lying. You're not half as free to wander as you claim. But I'm easy, yeah, I'm easy. Yeah. But that scene, you could have dropped a pin if the music was off while we were shooting it. The song just does that to you. And then when everybody realized, wait a second, oh yeah, he's screwing her and he's, and that's, oh yes. Say you want me, I'll come running without taking time to think. Because I'm easy. Yeah, I'm easy. There was something kind of beautifully cynical about it, but that was Bob. That was Bob. That was Bob. R.I.P. I, I love the idea that uh, he is fine and thieves like us playing like a you know a thief and a murderer and whatever like on the yeah run. that's okay but but a womanizer no <laughs> but in that movie he's like uh, you know he falls in love with Shelley Duvall and he's like well that guy is faithful right like you know no one like the, the hypocrite is what is what really I think is the the hardest thing to to this is the last thing anyone wants to be. You know, like a thief, there's like some kind of there's something kind of thrilling about that, or you know, there's like but no honor because there's no honor, you know, among thieves. That's true, but <laughs> there's like a kind of sexiness to it almost, and you know, like it's it's you know, but a hypocrite, like it is someone who's full of shit, is 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 hard. Yeah, and and no, I mean, and it's understandable why. I mean, this person is like you know a total wasteoid kind of, and like 
like the the scenes where he's like calling up like you know the next person or whatever and he's like you know talking to like the the woman he presumably has like a kid with or something and he's like oh when are you going to come here and then like the second she says she can't come there he like hangs up like this is someone who much like Shelley Duvall's character I think in, in almost like a mirror kind of sense is so busy chasing pleasure uh that like you know there, there's no there's no moment of, of time where I mean he obviously does hate himself like there's no moment in time where he's still He's just kind of in this room, the like for half the movie, just uh, right. calling people up and and is unable to just kind of sit still and be with himself. Like he hates himself to that level. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, like I, I like that Keith Carradine is able to use the fact that he didn't like the character to kind of internalize it to make for a better character because I think it's kind of clear, you know, that uh, like that that's. That's a dude who's, who's living high on the hog, so to speak, but doesn't necessarily think of himself as the greatest person at the end of the day, in the, the wee hours of the night. Uh, but it's also yeah. not letting that slow him down either. Uh, also, I can't. I was trying to look at look it up. Um, Mash is nineteen seventy. I think Altman was uh, that was his first. Like he he did a lot of movies before that. That was his first big movie. It's a huge movie. Yeah. He was in his forties. I know that. I remember he was he was in his forties. Uh, and that, obviously since the early fifties, he was like a TV director doing yeah. kind of, you know, run of the mill, unremarkable TV, like in the early fifties. I mean, it's crazy how long he, he was kind of hanging around before he became a big deal. Yeah, he did, like, uh, he, he did, I think two or three episodes of, uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents as a, um, yeah, before, before he was a, a film director. I heard back from our top math experts. He was 45 years old when, when MASH came out. So, yeah. And, and that was, I mean, you know, uh, cause I, the, that, that era, right. Like the new Hollywood era, there was all the movie brats. They were all like kind of young yeah. and he was just like way older than them. Um, by, by, by a large margin. Yeah. Way older than them. And, and kind of after MASH just rattled off a, a string of just absolute bangers, just banger after banger. Um, yeah. I mean, my favorite is Nashville. I mean, I, I, I just, I, you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you, got, you, got you know, the kids, the Zoomers love the long goodbye. Like there's kind of like a long goodbye uh, thing now. And I, I love the long goodbye. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, I, 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 I went to see a screening of it with Elliot Gould uh, three weeks ago here in LA. Um, and he was the best and he was so charming and funny, but uh, um, I don't know, man. Nashville is just, it, it's just, it's so it's so amazing to me that he was able to pull off that movie and it's, that it's yeah. just so perfect. And it's so the degree of difficulty of pulling that off is so high to me. You know, I think people like the long goodbye. I don't know, maybe because like Elliot Gould is like the coolest guy ever in that movie, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and likable, um, you know, like a likable, a good human being, a, like a decent guy. Um, whereas no one in Nashville, maybe outside of Lily Tomlin is, is, is a decent human being. Um, but man, I, I'm just partial to Nashville. I mean, I, I fucking love that movie. Well, it's such it's such a great run, you know. And 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 again, as you mentioned, to find a form, but the form is hard to do because to do it and have humanity to it, and to show people as as uh, these characters with nuance and that do have flaws. Even Lily Tomlin, not blameless, you know. Probably the the most principled character of a bunch of them, but like everybody's, you know, everybody's got got a little bit on them, and uh, it, it, that's hard to do. That is really difficult to pull off. Well, I mean, I, th I think just... the, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Forrest. No, and, and I think the, the aspect of it that's like the sexual revolution that's going on at this time that kind of stops in its tracks uh, a few years later when, you know, the AIDS epidemic starts. 
but like uh you know still going strong at this point um it, it's interesting to see the way that that kind of uh affects like a like a housewife like lily tomlin's character who isn't going around you know thinking like oh well i'm gonna sleep around but like does in the end uh get into bed with somebody because she just needs that like um i think because he was easy and, That's and, why. And, yeah well and and she's the break from every from uh she's like the 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 detached break from you know having a really stressful family life yeah. i'm sure with you know, like two deaf kids and yeah. you know a husband that's running around a missionary. um well so i i think that it is it's kind of um fascinating because you see on the other side like either shelly duvall's character or uh you know even like the um you know uh charlie chaplin's daughter like the uh the, the the fake bbc lady the BBC like, journalist. yeah like the, the the way that kind of um the sexual <laughs> revolution so has uh has like affected people is just uh you know some people are just endlessly seeking pleasure i mean uh, on top of that i mean you know keith carradine's character too like this endless quest for pleasure that you can never really have that satiated or you have, uh, you know, someone that kind of is willing to kind of slip out of a marriage for that small little bit of time and then go back to it because it's like, you know, yeah. it's not as. Well, uh, it's such a triumph of like Altman's directing and, and especially Lily Tomlin's acting. And I think I think this was like her yeah. first movie role. Yeah, this is her first movie. Was I was gonna say if it isn't the first, it's spirit, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's just such a triumph that like. You know, she plays this kind of ultra sympathetic character, right? I mean, the the house the, the housewife that like you know loving mother of these two kids who are deaf with like the husband who doesn't give a shit, um, you know, just ultra sympathetic. Who who? It's not that she does a bad thing. Like who? You know, like we're not like morally judging you know someone slipping out of their marriage over especially when they're married to, to Ned Beatty who's a fucking dick, but like <laughs> to fall for like to fall for Keith Carradine's you know, slimy charm and like the most obvious fucking, you know what I mean? Uh, playboy, like in the universe. Um, but, but come out on the other side, like with dignity intact and like, you know, you don't think like she, you know, she was like definitely like a little angry about it, but not defeated by it, you know, um, right. is, is just like, it's just like a little amazing. And it's just one vignette out of millions that are in Nashville. Um, and it's just like it's so perfectly it's just like a perfectly told little story, you know, of these complex characters interacting and then just kind of resolving. Yeah. And Keith Carradine's not afraid to play complex characters. I mean, I think the first movie I ever saw him in was Pretty Baby. <laughs> mm. Yeah, what a, I was young. I probably shouldn't have watched that. I feel like yeah. it's like that comes up a lot in this show. Probably shouldn't have watched this this young. We say that every show. Yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like uh, the the fact that this character that he's playing is just so shallow and like there's really nothing to him except that vacuous hole that he's just trying to fill uh, through these like you know right. one night stands or whatever. Like that makes sense why he'd hate like detest that character more than uh, you know any of the complex characters because that's not a complex character. It's just a guy that hates himself and is uh, in a hotel room like. You know, it's a good looking, talented dude who's taking complete advantage of both of those things. Yeah. Found in the pussy. And, and, and like that was considered aspirational, not regrettable at, at mm -hmm. the time. You know, whatever everyone's objective morality may be like it was, you know, you're all horrible. <laughs> Uh, the party scene, the party scene with Elliot Gould, who I guess was just like Hank, was just, just around. You want to do a couple scenes? Um, <laughs> like that, that whole sequence is amazing, and the Geraldine Chaplin part, like it just, it is 
so fucking funny. <laughs> and she, she, he, she, she gets out of that conversation like, like she's on fire. I was like, oh, Elliot, cool. <laughs> Later. <laughs> right. Um, I, I also love uh, I, I also love Ned Ned Beatty's uh, character not knowing that who Elliot Gould is or like that he's a celebrity yeah. or whatever, and then just that like this because you know that that's, that's not like a scripted like uh, scene. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of popped up as a lot of this movie is kind of improvised, and just to have him like bumble through and be like, uh, "Oh man, I, I I just treated him like anybody." Like you know, that's <laughs> yeah, a movie star. <laughs> Ned, Ned, and and the, they introduced him as like, uh, oh, like uh, whatever, like um, Hamilton is, is like, um, oh, well, that's that guy with the curly hair. Like that definitely is how like somebody's like parent or something would talk about, you know, right. any number of new celebrities or whatever. Like, yeah, the, you know, the actor with the curly hair, tell him to, tell yeah. him to come on over. <laughs> well, and it's like this era of Ned Beatty, especially is peak bumbling. Like he, he does bumbling better than like anyone. And then, of course. Goes against type for something like Network, where it's like, oh, you're the scariest dude in the history of creation. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously a great actor, but like even like, you know, look at like when he's uh, Mikey and Nikki, when he's like the terrible hitman, who's just like, oh, you know, he's just not like a pig. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> that's probably the most obvious one. Yeah. I mean, he bumbled himself into quite the situation. <laughs> well, and Network's, what, a year before this movie's comes yeah. out right network comes out so it's like you know he's atoning one year and he's uh bumbling the next year yeah. and then, then like superman i think is probably his most bumbling oh that's right but uh yeah he's gene hackman's henchman that's right i forgot i, I kind of forgot yeah i gotta say i think the richard donner superman like is uh the christopher reeve superman is probably the best depiction of the character yeah so far We'll see how this new one, the James yeah. Gunn one. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, James but. Gunn, g give him a chance. <laughs> God, man, people gotta say shit on Twitter about James Gunn. I'm like, I like, I like how James Gunn uh, walked in and then fired Henry Cavill. Like, this is the first thing he did. He's, it's, it's, it's like yeah. uh, walking into lunch to the cafeteria and punching the biggest guy in the face. <laughs> 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 and also, man, like, uh, I've seen Henry Cavill in movies, and he'd make a great Superman. It's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, what he was doing in the Superman movies uh, uh, with Zack Snyder. That mustache but... got CGI'd out and everything went downhill from there. All right, all right. Let's, let's, this is classic after-party material. I know I brought it up, but uh, yeah, I, I think that there's there's so much here in Nashville. Like, do you guys think, because I think the only recent modern example I can think of, and I brought it up at least four times already, is Magnolia, which I do like. And, and it was considered a, a, a filmmaking triumph at the time. And I was like, Y'all ever watch Altman? I mean, it's good, but have y'all ever watched Altman? Because people just don't do that kind of like level of interconnected stories well, and overlapping stories anymore. Well, there, what in movies? They do it movie. in streaming television. Is when they do. Yeah, it. well, they did before streaming came big. There was that ABC show called Nashville that my mom loved because it was all about country yeah. artists and interpersonal dramas and shit like that. That I, got so pissed off. I was like looking at IMDb and that came up instead of this movie and I got mad even though I didn't know what it was. Same. I was like super pissed. Um well I, I, I think I think this kind of movie does sometimes come around, but it's like uh it's treated differently, like something like the butterfly effect kind of thing, or um you know, any of kind of a lot of link ladders work, like kind of doing it, but but it's like vignettes, and this movie is not treating it like vignettes, it's literally treating this as a moving painting, and I don't see that really um happening that often in any kind of the cinema. wire maybe it, the wire it, it's yeah the wire but it, there's a lot I of mean, characters right a lot of storylines and all interconnects and they and each time they switch it up and they have this, the characters kind of somehow still be in the in the new yeah. place so i guess yeah that that, that, that works out
Um, I do love PTA. I like. I'm not. I would never besmirch PTA. I do too. I I'm not trying to talk trash about Magnolia. I need to no, make no, that. No, no, no. And, yeah. and I love Magnolia, but like PT, the difference between PTA and Altman is that Altman makes it look effortless and easy. Yes. You know, like, and he's got like he's got the self confidence to not draw attention. Easy, easy. Easy, easy, very easy. Whereas PTA has got like that kind of drama school nerd or something you know type thing where he's like look at look at look, yes. look how look how look at this look check at it out things I'm doing. yeah did you guys notice that did you guys catch check, that check, you know did you guys get that you know like cool camera thing i just did you know what i mean like yeah I mean, which is fine and i i i i don't i don't I, I love pta and i love all that shit but what's what's to me was so remarkable of altman is that and maybe it's because he uh achieved success as an as an older man and whereas pta was like this kind of 25 year old wonderkin um you know that he was just like you know he could just like lean back and smoke a joint and be like check it out i'm, I'm in nashville like i don't need to like <laughs> yeah i don't need to like exp i don't need to like draw attention to literally anything about this movie um it's all it's all just there and it's all kind of it doesn't it's got like that kind of detached coolness that is just requires so much self-confidence to 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 even attempt I, uh, that's the correct I totally, cool. I totally like, forgot that yeah. uh altman's last movie that he directed was the prairie home companion which feels like yeah. one one set piece that. one set piece yeah. from this movie kind of uh for two for two hours or whatever yeah. uh, like yeah. just the grand old opry if if they stayed in the grand old opry for uh for two hours I mean, look, like, so, so first of all, to, to, to Nana's point, uh, coolness is the correct term. And there's a naturalism to what he does that makes it a different experience. And again, uh, it, it's still it's there in shortcuts as well. It's there in the the long shot that begins the player. That's, uh, you know, the big uh, homage to, uh, to um, uh, the, 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 the Orson Welles movie. I uh, can't think of it right now. But like there's a naturalism to it. Where, thank you. The touch of evil homage uh, where it's all like one long composed shot in the player. But like, I think that because of that naturalism it does seem cool and it does seem like you're just like oh you're just getting a window into these people's worlds for like a minute or two and that's something there's something really cool and magical about that and i agree that like about thomas anderson peace and love peace and love there is a theater kid aspect to it yeah yeah <laughs> you're right and paul pta is like the perfect melt bl blend of altman and scorsese right like scorsese yeah like, his direction is always like calling attention to itself and it's like very I love him i love him but he, there it is. You know, yeah. he was also like a young wunderkind, right? Like he was, uh, um, you know, and also kind of a, a drama school nerd. I mean, I know he didn't actually go, but like that, that was like his his whole thing. Like his, you know, like look at look how many movies I know. Look how many, you know, like look yeah. at all the stuff I know. Look how look how, um, you know, kind of insecure in a way, fundamentally insecure kind of nerdy guys. I guess you know what I mean are behind those you know, those two archetypes, and that's Scorsese was famously incredibly shy and insecure. You know, Altman was like famously incredibly cool and um just kind of didn't give a shit you know wasn't wasn't impressed by anyone didn't want to impress anyone didn't need to yeah. impress anyone you know and 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 his like, press his junkets are amazing by the way if you ever see him like they, yeah like they they have like his bonus features in the in the criterion and it's so great like he just also could not give less of a fuck like Nashville, it's so <laughs> also nashville is like the first film of his where he gets like complete and total control of that's right like right, what yeah. he says goes and no one's and, and the, the weird thing behind it is it's because uh you know that the, they wanted to do like a, a country western studio uh out <laughs> right. and yeah. and so like uh there was like um i don't remember whether it was united artists or i think it was paramount 
wanted to do a, a like a country country western uh style filmmaking thing and he's like i, I could do that like i could <laughs> yeah well and, and and again going back so to two things first of all is that like uh all the people actually in nashville at the time really hated it and one of the reasons why they really hate it is because it's actually like you know it's it's, it's a caricature but it, it's a really pretty accurate it doesn't paint them very well but it's like well yo this is kind of what you guys are all about though and then the well, other thing is, is a caricature of as they say in this the people that pick the president like right. I, I think that's a good definition which is an of, incredible thing to yeah. focus on at the bicentennial right of yeah. like the defining thing of like we must be doing something right. We talk about the last 200 we years. must be doing something right to last 200 years. It's the most American thing that anyone has ever done. <laughs> it's like 200 years is a millisecond. Like, you know, like, know. Proud to be an American. like, you know, civilizations that are thousands of years old. You yeah. know, it's like, well, fuck it, we, got we made it 200 years. I don't know. About know that. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, like, and they're recording it like a couple a couple years before the bicentennial. Like, who knows if we're going to crash and burn in the next couple? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's just, it, and it's just the most dreadfully like treacle. Again, I, I ascribe it to, to, to this day as gas station music, even though that makes means something else now. When like you can get the cassette or the CD like at the point of sale when you're buying your talking about sending his son to war proudly sending his son off to right. war you know like, yeah. like he would never go to war obviously you know yeah because yeah, you, know, yeah, you meet his son and he's like a complete you know fail son working for uh you know or doing his dad's business but probably just you know can't really do anything else and his dad's just keeping him busy yeah <laughs> Exactly. Um, I was getting busy. I'm so, uh, oh, uh, real quick though, can we talk about Opal? Just uh, the, how horrible of a character, meaning how delightfully entertaining she is as a through line through all of this. So, of like, so is Altman, she a reporter? Maybe she isn't. Who knows? She seems to be horrible at her job. But Alvin says yeah, he's like he, he was hell. essentially uh, in love with her. Like the the actress. I mean, like uh, you know Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin's yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And uh, and he was like, yeah, like I wanted to put her in anything because like I absolutely like love her and like there was just like a like this attachment he felt towards her specifically. So it's kind of funny. He's like, hey, do you want to be a fake, possibly fake British person? Yeah. <laughs> well, also like just understanding again, like he 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 Altman has the this ability to like look at like a Hollywood type or look at you know a country music wannabe in Nashville or look at yeah. like a pretentious British person and just understand exactly like how to make fun of that person <laughs> you know, like, um, like just and no one ever questions her credentials too that's another thing too and that's something i picked yeah. up on this i'm like hey no one actually like ever there's one moment there's one moment where somebody guys like i i don't know what the bbc is right <laughs> this is the bbc <laughs> which is also like an, an awesome scathing critique of america and and nashville and, and like, she also keeps things, saying but... some pretty fucking racist shit the gospel thing like it's so nice of it's so nice of him to let you people uh record in his whatever like they don't have their like you know black people don't have their own talent like she's still treating it like a, she's like you I know side spin if you take off their robes they'll just be naked and yeah it, it's like <laughs> lady you need to stop <laughs> you're doing too much right now yeah <laughs> it's like it's it's awkward it's just as awkward as listening to barbara jean's like whole rant or whatever but in her case it's like uh you know you're like no one's gonna stop because she has a british accent nobody stops her to like <laughs> yeah, now her like and julie christie both played in dr zhivago but but uh her her monologue in the uh the the parking lot with the buses uh, of just you know just just amazingly 
stupid, not thought out stuff. And she just keeps going over it and over it, trying to get it right and not getting it right at all. Just not <laughs> seeing, uh, like, like, like what did, uh, you know, like, like, yeah, okay. That's an interesting spot to be uh, talking about, but like, I don't know. You're, you're not talking to any kids. You're not, uh, you're not getting their perspective. You're just making up some fiction that, that you think you see. And you see it as kind of like uh, multiple series, of like long shots too, where it's like, it's just sort of following her around and like, and then, then again, that's where you see yet again, Jeff Goldblum, not speaking, non-speaking role. He just is the, the strong silent type in here, uh, like camped up. And she's just like kind of wandering through these like tableaus and stuff. And it's, it's, it's I mean, I love it. Cause it's just sort of, you, you have like a, a bunch of times you're like, what is with this chick? Like, what's her whole deal? Like, what, like, is she, like, why is she this way? <laughs> but uh, it's um, you know, well, it's it's ten my time, but it's seven uh, Nando's time. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I know you gotta dip out of here. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there any closing thoughts you have before you before you dip out? Any closing thoughts? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I just uh, if if you know, I think I said it on Twitter, like. If you want to understand America, you got to understand the 1970s. If you want to understand America in the 1970s, and by extension, understand all of America, you just watch. Got to watch Nashville. Nashville, it's the fucking best. I love it so much. Nice, nice. All right, Th guys. thanks so much for coming on, brother. Right. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Bye. So I have, I have a I have a I have a clip. Uh, this is Lily Tomlin introducing. Oh, now that he's gone, you can play clips. Well, I didn't <laughs> want to like. We had an hour with him. What do you mind? Oh yeah, yeah. Welcome to the show. Let's play like ten minutes. You know, a lot of the, most of the, most of the clips that I had uh, are like five minutes. Like five minutes out of an hour is is a significant chunk that's of time. Up. That's up. Um. Well, hi. Um. I made a couple of notes because I started thinking about hi, what am I going to say when I introed Nashville. I said there's so much stuff that went on, but uh, the the I could I probably this was my first movie role, and how could I be luckier than to get into an Altman movie on the first time I was you know in a film, and um, and it was because we had the same agent, and and I can remember Altman uh, got on the phone with me and and um, and then he said, uh, oh no that was for Late Show I forgot wait. Uh, for Nashville, I didn't talk to him before I went in the movie. Sam put me in the movie, and uh, then I went down to Nashville and all that. And I thought, all those people coming in, I thought, well, I could play half of these roles. <laughs> and so then the more I saw them, I saw how brilliant Altman was at casting. And I said, well, I must be more like Linnea than I ever realized. And so uh, then when we had the cafe scene, uh, and I knew when I, I knew when I was preparing that it was a better, it was a great, it was an important scene for Linnea. When I'm sitting in the back of the cafe and Keith Carradine is singing I'm Easy, and all the other girls are there who've uh, been to bed with him. And I'm a married woman. I have two children, two deaf children, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, so and I so the, the scene played out, the daily played out, and I just was horrified. I thought, oh, I failed the scene so badly. And I sneaked out before the lights came up and I went back to our, my motel room and 
then Scotty, who was uh, Altman's great assistant, whom everybody knew at the time, who really worked for him for years. And Scotty had kind of a lisp, and she always she always had a cigarette. And she said, "We're just we're very worried why you left the theater before the the lights came up." And I said, oh, I, oh, Scotty, oh, it was just horrible. I just failed the scene. I don't know what to do. I was beside myself. I, and I wanted to get out of the movie. But, of course, we'd filmed so much of it already. And Scotty said, well, well, we didn't think it was so bad. And, <laughs> and all like that. So then I did the same thing in 9 to 5. I, I saw the first dailies, and I wanted to get out. I went to Bruce Gilbert, and I said, you can let me out. You don't have to pay me or anything. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm going to ruin the film. And then the next day I saw the next day's dailies and I was really good. So <laughs> I said, I think I'll stick around. So the thing I wanted to tell you about was when an Altman style of directing was just so freewheeling. And when we cast the two kids who were non-hearing, they were really kids who were deaf and could not hear. And the first two kids that came, he hired them. They were just, that's great. Those are the kids. Those are our kids. And I saw him do that time and time again. And when actors would say, well, what do you want in this scene? And Altman would say, I don't know. Why don't you surprise me? And I think that's what endeared him to so many actors. And we just loved him beyond description. He was like, but he was a scoundrel at the same time and a, a big bear of a man and had great appetites. And he would be smoking weed on every night when we'd watch dailies and drinking. And I, and when I first was there, I said, I said, how is he going to be okay tomorrow? <laughs> and I come in and it's like six o'clock, he's riding the crane already. He was just magnificent, and he was so forgiving and so okay with everything. And uh, and whenever anybody came to visit us on the set, Elliot Gould came, uh, Julie Christie, and um, and Karen Black, and he would put them in the movie. <laughs> he would just put them in the movie. And Karen Black came, and uh, he made her into a country singer. And we were just all up in arms about it because she was only going to be there four days and we were all there for two months. <laughs> and we said, went all, we went on mass and complained to him. Why is Ju why is uh, Karen Black only here for four days and we have to all be here for two months? And he said, you're not supposed to like her. <laughs> and it was just that simple. Anyway, I, I hope you enjoy this film. Uh, I certainly enjoyed making it and and I got nominated for Best Supporting as a result. I did not win. I didn't win, but it was, it was such an auspicious debut in, the, in films and, and uh, carried me for quite a while. Anyway, um, thank you for being here tonight, and I hope you just love it. That rocks. <laughs> She's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Also, Altman seems like he'd be the coolest dude ever to fucking hang out with. <laughs> yeah. By the way, one thing, another thing I note uh, that um, why I wanted to figure out what his exact age was when Mash hit and became like a, a huge hit. Altman is the same age as I was. Mm, wow! So I look better than he does, but <laughs> everybody <laughs> looks better than people did back then. <laughs> yeah, every back back then is like, oh Jesus, I'm you're thirty. I'm gonna 30? be thirty this year, and everyone's like, you're like in high school, right? And I'm like, yeah. No. 
I, I always I love. I don't. I don't. Like, I could play a high schooler like in the WB. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you know what's so funny? It's like a lot of people think like you know they're starting to actually cast people like in their late teens now to play actual teenagers, like in The Last of yeah. Us, and like obviously like instead of like in Spider Man where everyone's in their thirties, it's like and whoa, how many years like, you got held what? back? People are like, how are these kids looking so young? I'm like, that's because a lot of people look really young now. Like it's 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 something's in the water, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, see, and my I, problem is I only drink uh, I only drink bottled water because we don't have tap water, and the tap water is the tap water that keeps you young. We should, we should really get a sponsorship from that company for as much airtime as they get. Uh, yeah. I think that, um, uh, well, but it, it's I, I love hearing about like late period successes, like folks that like like Bukowski, like you know writing his first book, like in uh, you know like I think it's like forty or something like that, and like Altman's like having his first like big hit movie at forty five. I love I love hearing about that kind of thing because he's all the a, Oscar winners recently. I, I was gonna say very very apropos of recent memory, mm-hmm. yeah. comeback Absolutely. stories. People are finally, you know, getting their due. And I mean, you know, even uh, even Martin McDonough, like, uh, you know, doing Banshees of Inisherin, like he had an entire playwriting career before he had a movie career. Like, yeah, uh, right, right. even even before like in Bruges and like, uh, yeah, uh, all, all that. Like, this that is was... like his second act. Yeah, and then he's sitting around trading filmmaking tips with Taylor Swift. So there you go. <laughs> Good for him. He has uh, he has Colin Farrell. He has. Christopher Walken and he has uh you know um Brendan Gleeson I mean in like two of his movies but like Colin Farrell I think it, like Christopher Walken was in his plays like he cast Christopher Walken in one of his bigger plays awesome. so I feel like uh he's he's one of those guys that like just grabs people back from the you know from, from well and that's so that's another thing and Altman does that a lot too when like you find someone you know a lot, a lot yeah. of um seasoned directors will like find someone that they love working with and they'll continue to to, to keep working well, I mean both them. I mean both Keith Carradine and uh, Shelley Duvall were in Thieves Like Us one year before yeah. this movie came out. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean, and why not? Why wouldn't you? Right? <laughs> why yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, uh, why would you have Shelley Duvall in anything? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 weird to me that I I feel like Popeye hurt Shelley Duvall more than hurt Robert Altman, which is wild. Which is it's just wild because Pop, Popeye is a is one of the biggest swing and a miss I think yeah. in, in modern filmmaking that isn't called I mean, Star. I, I saw it in the theater yeah. when I was like three or four, uh, and yeah. I loved it at the time. And like that's sure, that's the problem. Kid, yeah. That's the problem with the movie <laughs> right there. It's like yeah, if you're three or four, that movie's great. And uh, anybody else, nah. I think I saw it at six or seven. I remember I remember watching this and being like, wow, Popeye. Robin yeah. Williams really brought him to life. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Robert Williams didn't like get any on him. I feel like Robert Altman barely got it. Although he did make weird, like he did Secret Honor, which is that that movie with um uh, uh Philip Paul who where he plays Nixon, and it's literally just him. It's like it's it's like a movie like about Nixon like talking to himself in a room, and it's great. It's so good. Um, Philip ba- Philip Baker Hall is that the guy? He, he's in um. Speaking of Magnolia, he's in. Magnolia, he's in a bunch of stuff, but like he made a couple like kind of just weird sort of like maybe I'm gonna find myself again kind of kind of films uh, after that because that was '84. Uh, yeah, Philip Baker Hall. I just want to make sure I got that right. If you want to see Philip Baker Hall as Nixon, it's it's pretty great. I actually like it better than the movie Nixon, frankly, even though it's a very different portrayal. Uh, and the fact that it's in the mid '80s and it's Altman is like makes it really interesting as well. But like, I would say until the player like. You know, there's a few like what Beyond Therapy, OC and Stigs. It's like okay, it's fine. But then like he has Player, he has Shortcuts, 
He has Predaporte. Um, how do you say that? I, I took German. Um, Predaporte. Yeah, like he has, and he kind of like has like that '90s comeback. That's again, shortcuts is just astounding. I know I said it's like I'm getting paid like that. That's our sponsor is shortcuts, mm-hmm. but like I, I actually feel like it's one of the rare movies that you can argue it's different, um, but takes the Nashville formula and like kind of takes it somewhere a little different it also kind of like does the things that are, that are best about it but again it, it, it's a hard, that's a hard thing to do no. huh i said to memphis <laughs> to memphis yeah <laughs> takes, it somewhere, memphis. takes it somewhere a little bit different and it's like uh memphis tennessee you know but i think that it's yeah it's it's so wildly this is such a crazy movie in general but also to be around of its time and perfectly emblematic of its time that's a, that's impressive man that that's a there, there's some, and, and again, remember, the second he made MASH, which is the biggest hit, he wanted to get away from it as fast as possible, too. Like, he wanted he to get won't. away from it. <laughs> no, I don't blame him at all. And then, like, wanted nothing to do with the show and, and like, just wasn't into it all. And, and first thing he the does... The show ran that, longer than... What, what's it, doesn't MASH take place over the Korean War? It, it takes longer than the Korean War. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Longer than Vietnam and Korea put together, even with the yeah. Times of Peace put in there. Yeah. Yeah, like well, I mean, basically does... the Korean War is still going, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I just think I think that that's fascinating. I think it's it's interesting that like again to have like a couple like just massive swings and misses that uh, that uh, even after like a late period success and still kind of be like, no, that's fucking Altman, man. Like that's a guy that made like Nashville, like, and then well, later I... on, it's like, oh, that's a guy that made the player. That's a guy that made shortcuts. That's a guy that made you know. Blah, blah, blah. But, I uh, I pulled this for Andy. I wanted to get his thoughts on it. I um, wish it wasn't Prairie Home Companion. It was his last movie. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> so this is this is from Trailers from Hell. I guess you know that. Uh, yeah, that yeah, the uh, the uh, Joe Dante and uh, John Carlson. Yeah, so they they got uh yeah. they got Dan Perry, who's the guy that designed the title sequence in the beginning, uh, to talk about it. And since it's art related, I thought it'd be cool to get uh you know Andy's Andy's thoughts on it. I'm kind of scared for what and you know, and getting off topic here, but let's, uh, let's <laughs> you're setting the topic for it to be him, so we can't be off topic. So I say that, now. and I'm here with Trailers from Hell, talking about Nashville. Uh, I designed the titles for the film, and part of the titles was this special commercial that later became the teaser trailer for the film. But it starts with the Paramount logo. And it's all scratched up and looks dirty and so on. I was working closely with Bob Altman at the time. So while he was cutting Nashville, uh, he came to me and said, uh, Paramount is driving me crazy. They keep wanting me to cut footage. And I don't want to do that. And so I want to get back at him somehow. What do you think I can do? So I said, well, you've been using this black and white dupe of the Paramount logo. And it's gotten all scratched up and running through the camera back and forth and so on. Why don't we put it on the film like that? And he thought it was a great idea. Then when I finally started to do the titles, I've been trained at the Art Center College of Design to do very high quality, high level, elegant design. So I brought him all these beautiful designs that said Nashville. I felt very right for the film. And he looked at it, all, all of them and he said, no, 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 these are all wrong. He says, Nashville is a junky, trashy place. He says, cheap people there have got to try to make Mark and music and all. So this had to be kind of junky and low grade. And at the time in 1975 in LA, there were these TV ads selling record albums and selling uh, all kinds of things that were, they were yelling and screaming at, at the camera. There was Cal Worthington selling cars and there was Mad Mad Munts selling TVs. And I found a guy who did those commercials for KTEL Records 
And I hired him to do my voiceover. And I wrote this script myself. And he yelled and screamed it. We shot it. And I cut it together. And Bob loved it. And Paramount loved it so much that they used it as a teaser trailer. Before your very eyes without commercial interruption. So following the Paramount logo is uh, three titles that are just white on black. And there's this little sort of after image of the title over the left lower corner. And that happened because Bob Altman took the film to Paris while he was cutting and he showed it to his friend, Francois Truffaut, in a small screening room in Paris. And he said it was so small, we were sitting right against the wall and the projection was right to our side. And uh, for some reason, the, there was a refraction with the projected image and it was projecting this after image to the side that he liked the idea of. So he described it to me. He said, I want to do that with the titles. So I tested it and found, uh, finally did what, he, what uh, he thought was how he remembered it. And that went out on the film as well. This peculiar little touch that was because Bob Altman wanted it. Just hanging out with Truffaut nice. and BB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love, I love like, uh, you know, the, those little happy, you know, like it's always like the little details that, that you want to get right that people might not necessarily notice, but like, you know, it, it brings out something uh, to, to that finished product. Um, that, that gorgeous painting that they, they zoomed in on uh, with each of the characters at the beginning uh, with, with that, the fake commercial uh, is fantastic. And, and what's actually really fascinating is um uh Na nashville now's thought of like with, with uh uh the uh, you know the residue of uh hatch uh, showprint which uh at the time in the 1970s was just doing wrestling posters but they they did all like the posters for like elvis and uh hank williams senior and uh um you know patsy klein and like all those you know all that that great you know the high point of country music of the 50s and uh, uh, even before that, because before that, like, like if you ever go to a, like a diner and you see a Negro League baseball uh, uh, poster, you look right at the bottom. It's, it says printed in Nash, uh, by the Hatch Show Print in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you know, I, I, they did like vaudeville and, um, you know, they've been around uh, since the, the late 1800s. And they are such an integral part of Nashville now. Like, like, like um, when you think of Nashville's graphic design, you think immediately of their, their woodblock posters, the, the distorted text from the, uh, um, you know, from, from when they're putting, stacking up these wet posters together, pulling them apart and distorting the, the lettering on them. Um, it, it, they're, they're absolutely legend for that. And, you know, nowadays you don't, uh, you know, that's what you think of. So, so it's great too, you know, to, to see like this pre- um, hatch revival. Um, Jim Sherrodden, the, uh, the the mandolin player I mentioned earlier, he he's actually the guy behind the Hatch revival. Uh, uh, that that you know, so so uh, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of rich history just just right in that whole thing. And, and so 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 you're seeing kind of like what people were trying to come up with uh, to to fit Nashville, even though now it's like this big cookie cutter, which I kind of hate. Uh, the fact well, that, it, I mean, it's been that. copied. It's been copied so much. Yeah. It's like it's like a style. But like, yeah, yeah. now, I mean, I love, now it was like everything else. Work. I have, I have yeah. a Prince, uh, like I could just walk over here and pull up my Patsy Klein uh, poster that, that I have from them. I love yeah. Patsy like, Klein. It's, well, and know, even if I, people I, don't know what Andy's talking about, like say if you're listening to it or whatever, like it's just, you'll recognize it the second you see it. Like we're like, oh yeah, that kind of poster. Because yeah, they're just like ubiquitous in culture. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and uh, like, like, you know, now it's, uh, they've been bought out by the country Western hall of fame. Um, they've been doing posters for the country Western hall of fame since, um, uh, God forever. It seems like at least all my life. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, like, like the, the, it's, it is a cornerstone of, uh, Nashville now. Um, but you know, for a while it was like this, this place, like outside of downtown Nashville, there, you go. Nobody yeah. Went yeah. there we go. And, and they did, Vegas. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, they got so many great posters, so many great designs. I, I absolutely well, love it. Uh, I've thought about having a tour poster made in that style, but considering I'll, I already kind of dress like Glenn Campbell or something, I feel like it might be a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> Talk you to get, me uh, I, I like the the Viva hey, Nash Vegas one with the yeah. with the with the yeah. Rooster. That's awesome. Yeah, you yeah. should get a. You should you should try like to get the a, Elvis a poster. poster. The the fun story about an the action, Elvis poster an is Action Chief, uh, just the solos poster, something <laughs> like that, and it's like, oh, yeah, that'll really move. <laughs> Everyone's looking at Viva Viva solos and <laughs> Viva la solo. <laughs> the Elvis poster, uh, whenever that ended up on, um, uh, was part of the the trials of Elvis's indecency uh, in Congress, and it was yeah, televised. Yeah. And uh, the congressman who was railing against Elvis was waving around that same Elvis poster that you saw there. And you could yeah. see the printmaker's thumbprint in the middle of like one of the things. And he was so embarrassed that, that, you know, it was like, Oh my God, that's my thumbprint. My <laughs> <laughs> thumbprint we've just seen all around the world. It was. It's not even, it's not even my good thumb. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah we, my, we all know it's all lefty thumb. over here. <laughs> the dumb thumb. The dumb thumb. Wow, I said that. Okay. Wow, yeah. thumb. But uh you want to do some of those uh you know good old uh letterboxed one-liners? Of course I'd love to. So of course, letterboxed is a social media site for film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the films they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, the films that have posters with weird thumb smudges in the middle that are on national television. Uh and of course, everybody gets to have their say, not just the Siskels and Eberts of the world's bottom of democracy, uh, but it's best expressed succinctly. You know, everybody uh, get, get it out quickly. Work air tight five in front of the brick wall at the comedy store. Uh, you know, open open mic night, uh, you know, however, however you want to do it. You, you get in, you get out. These, in fact, are the letterbox one-liners for Nashville. Let's go. I think movies should meander the fuck around again. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I, I think this is the perfect uh, background for them. Like the graphic background is just. Uh, this <laughs> is Nashville. <laughs> and I, I love, love it. The I'm the wonder. I love I love his little snide comment where he's like, "How tall? How tall do you think that guy is?" Yeah, like, I know it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Don't ever ask him that." <laughs> yeah, super pissed. I mean, look at how he treats the freaking. Uh, the the everybody in that when he's recording that horrendous song at the beginning i mean it's like they yeah. these guys have a nightmare well clearly. and the, the fact that he has like political uh ambitions you could think that he's a he's a little napoleon uh napoleon boy maybe maybe it's too bad tim robbins and play his son they could be bob roberts <laughs> <laughs> country bear jamboree behind the music Mm. yeah <laughs> good old days behind music that's man i miss that show i, I would watch that I think it's streaming on like VH1 or something, or at least it was for a while. Yeah. Should have made a spinoff of Tricycle Man. <laughs> yes, Tricycle. please. 
Tricycle. I, 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 I want to ride my tricycle. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, uh, 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 the wheels. Uh, 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 find, find a way. <laughs> it's crazy that he doesn't speak the entire time. Like, it has to be like a decision, right? I mean, just, you see him just I'm, I'm Jeff Goldblum. You've been hmm, hemming and, and and hawing way too much on the set. You're not saying a word. Going forward, whenever I become bored by a conversation, I'm just going to cut the person off and say, Elliot Gould is here, and then leave. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many sad moments in this, but like it's an all-time sad moment. Uh, the, you know, He's like just getting ready to like sing. It's probably the first time he's sung in front of somebody, like yeah. the song he wrote. And then she's like, Elliot Gould is here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't do the accent, but yeah. <laughs> Goo Goo Cluster. <laughs> <laughs> i i love that that's in there because that was when the, there's that combination of like music plus corporate uh placement and stuff and like like i'm thinking of like such and such brought to you by yeah the goo goo cluster sure, every well not? and in some ways it was better uh back then because at least they put their sponsors up front like right, right. now on tv like you have uh you know you have the climate change hour brought to you by exxon mobile and they decide to keep the logo down down here i, so, I remember there there was an episode of heroes that show heroes that like yep. there was just uh, that one car that kept featuring very prominently i was like what is with this car why do they keep showing it i was like oh okay i understand well same thing with uh with walking dead walking dead yes, would have I was just gonna say that. yeah yeah they, they also, had the hybrid <laughs> not to be confused with the goo goo muck right or the goo goo dolls mm -hmm. <laughs> oh god by the way they had they have um i oh like the racial dynamics in this movie are obviously really interesting they have the tommy brown or whatever like yeah. you know the whitest whatever uh in in nashville um, <laughs> what a great like, scene yeah but they have him doing the commercials for the google clusters and this is tommy brown and the google clusters or something like he's the yeah yeah, the shame, the shameless hack that, that's doing it and is getting called out in the in the yeah. in the bar, which is great. And he doesn't even perform it; he's just around. He's just around, and he's getting heckled. It's great. <laughs> Girl, you can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so American that at some point I was waiting to hear the entire Constitution read out in song. That's Ooh. I can see them cutting that out, like this. Uh, Haven <laughs> Hamilton's, uh, you know, because you know that's his, his the Constitution song. It's, well, it's his bicentennial uh, album or whatever, and he's like reading the Constitution. I'm then... gonna read the Constitution in song. <laughs> then Hot Walker but, like, breaks like in. A Bernie Sanders album. Oh God! Yeah, I love that. Bad. I love that one of Hal Philip, Philip Walker's thing is uh, change the words to the to the national anthem because he's like nobody wants to hear that song. No one gets it. We need a, no we one need wants a... to sing the national anthem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the national anthem does suck and should be America the Beautiful and should be by Ray Charles. Thank you. Agreed. 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 Yes. Agreed. Justice for Ray. I would like exactly. I would like every movie better if Elliot Gould just wandered in as himself. <laughs> yes. It is, it is Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> would have certainly made China salesman more entertaining. That, that that outfit he was wearing was uh oh yeah that outfit he was wearing was something else I mean, that much peak seventies all right yeah. <laughs> Opal from BBC the most annoying person ever oh my god I hate her stupid music note hat 
It's such oh a God. specific thing, but I, yeah. One of, one of the worst scenes in this whole movie where they're stuck in the traffic jam and uh, she's <laughs> she's just like talking to to uh, Leanne or whatever, uh, like uh, Lily Thomas character. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, my, my two kids are deaf. And she's like, oh my God, that's horrible. And she's like, no, like, no, no, no. And she's like, oh, I couldn't possibly meet them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fascinating gossip with the, with the help. <laughs> yeah, the, that guy's trying so hard to be their friend, and she's just like, I make a point never to gossip with servants. Yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Somehow every song is simultaneously running through my head, but I love chaos, so thank you, Altman. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The one that chaos. got stuck in my head is uh, the final one that uh, Barbara, Barbara Jean sings. So she's like, and then the that that part of it where she's singing about her mommy and daddy. Yeah. And then at the end of it, she's like, "My mommy and daddy." It gives like the dumbest face you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> the one time I went to Nashville, I spent a lot of time riding around on lime scooters. No one in this film rides a lime scooter, but I love it all the same. See, I, I, I texted you about this scooter. because when I was when I went down to Austin oh, during the pandemic, oh. like that was like. Well, I think probably like the second or third trip I ever took by myself. Uh, and then I met out with like my ex-girlfriend in, in Austin, ran around, spent the whole week riding fucking Lime scooters around and then stopped in Nashville. But by the time we got to Nashville on the way back to New York, it was like 2 a.m. And there was nothing really open. So like I, I feel that in my in my soul. Like you listen, <laughs> you, you ride around with the Lime scooters. That's what you do when you're down in the south. I played Nashville last year. I didn't see a single one, but uh, you know, hey, maybe it wasn't around the rock clubs. Who knows? Anyway, those are the letterbox. Either way, Lime Scooters ubiquitous or nowhere to be found. Those are the letterbox one liners <laughs> for Nashville. Uh, please, 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 please follow the <laughs> follow the show. Grand old flockery <laughs> over here. <laughs> that's pretty good. I that's pretty good. Uh, the Menage of Folk Trio uh, at Movie Night Extravaganza uh, on Letterbox. I am Philip Walker, replacement party candidate uh, at Conan Neutron. Watching uh, the highbrow, the midbrow, the populist stuff, follow the Criterion Challenge along with me. I kind of caught up actually. Like, uh, by the way, I, I think I think the best feature uh, StreamYard's come up with is to put these little things in the bottom of uh, the names that you can actually like put like a title for yourself now. Like, yeah. the new level of fuckery that you can get away. With. I feel I feel like I feel like they rolled that out just for us with our constantly changing <laughs> titles. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, if we if we have made one change in this world, if it's that, I'm okay with it. It's it's uh, it's us, and then it's like those uh you know people are like streaming out of their office or something where they're like, I want to put I want to put vice president of the company on my title card. Oh well, yeah, yeah, oh, it's coming out very earnestly. The weird yeah. thing is we don't have that on Ben's show, so so like it's only here. Mm. Uh well, there you go. So we must be doing something right to last 151 episodes. <laughs> Jay Andrew bumming down. Bumming down Broadway, bum that bumming down Broadway, bumming down Broadway is world is uh, watching all the weird stuff so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. Who am I to judge? Uh, I know you, you got Amityville and Space in your watch list. I know you got attention yesterday. So Amityville two is pretty good though. It, have you? I, I, yes, but Amityville in the hood though. Like, just skip that one. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, follow him if you <laughs> follow him if you want to see all that stuff. Uh, Christina, Yubikaye, uh, maybe she'll come back. 
maybe she'll come back uh, and unlock some more stuff for us. Uh, when if, do if I not, have time? I feel like the last films we do. This how, do, how do you have time? How do I have time? But anyway, yeah. whatever. That's it's that's, that's, that's we're like two of the busiest folks on this. And also it, it's like it's like time. it's like the Heisenberg effect. If you actually think about it too hard, you won't be able to do it anymore. <laughs> 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 Bumming down Broadway, J Andrew World, please take it away with the plugs, if you will. All right, you're watching us right now on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell if you haven't already. And please, the big ask is um, watch the video to the end because that way uh, that helps other movie fans find our content, and that helps you hear a great Conan Neutron song. Uh, we're also yes. over Re Remix on, for um, 23. It's better than the other one. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we're also over on... Uh, twitch so do the twitch things uh throw us a sub and if you have an amazon account you can subscribe for free and that doesn't cost you a penny and that helps us out a great deal so so thank you very much for uh doing all that um we're on various social media sites if you like us uh we're on twitter we're on facebook and we're on instagram uh so so uh if you're on any of those find us there follow us uh comment we'll we'll respond you know we, we, we we're not above that <laughs> yeah oh yeah that, that's that's the pitch huh yeah, yeah we'll all right yeah you never know what we're gonna say <laughs> you, well, ain't that the truth boy howdy all right yeah sure <laughs> but uh we also have a patreon and uh the big thing with the patreon is that it really does help us uh make this show uh so um please subscribe one of the things you have access to is getting access to an after party which we are not doing today However, we, uh, you know, we've done it in the past, and if you haven't uh, caught up with all of our after parties, go, go dig the crates, man. You're gonna find some weird shit, and it's gonna be wonderful, and you'll love it. <laughs> I think you're gonna find some weird shit. As the pitch for that is the perfect pitch, because you indeed will find some weird shit. It's like when you yes. go looking for mushrooms. You know, you're gonna find I'm, some weird I'm shit. The after party, you got some weird shit, man. Oh God. <laughs> Get some of that. Get some of that weird shit. <laughs> you got some of that after party. Hey man, you got any of that? Uh, you got any of that Fred Flintstone French connection, man? <laughs> I can't believe. So cannot believe that we forgot to do the bad lieutenant scale uh, as a bit uh, during RoboCop. We mentioned it, but we didn't do it as a bit. Oh my God, That's yes, yes. Um, so Whatever. so speaking of things that are on you, um, we'll do what we do. Had cop a, rock or wait, something. Remember that cop episode. rock? Wow. <laughs> Cocaine you decisions got a big of uh of a protonic reversal with uh, uh yeah goats uh yeah john daniel from uh, mountain goats also a star of the chloe savini episode of poker face for people that are interested in that show which you should be because it's natasha oh. leone basically being columbo and it's awesome Love uh yeah and, and uh yeah that was a great episode that's um that's up in the archives. That's out into the general feed now. So anywhere you get your podcast, you can go listen to me nerd out with the guys from Mountain Goats, which I'm a big fan of that band. So yeah, a lot of people seem to like it. Great stuff. Uh, you should be a big fan of them. Mm -hmm. um, I am. But yeah. <laughs> Everybody should be. <laughs> Everyone else should be. Yeah. And they, they, they do okay. They, they, they're pretty busy. Yeah, but they're not going to be. That episode of Poker Face is amazing, by the way. That put that like that's. It might be my favorite episode of the show, but of course it's the music. Uh, uh, one, so poker face, yes. And, and Poker Face will not be a Catterwall. <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not that I'm aware of, no. Although there's so many goddamn bands, maybe. Who knows? 
Yeah, who uh, knows? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, yeah, uh, you can see live in person, Coda Neutron and Secret Friends and Action Chief. That's right. People are talking about it more and more on this show. Only. <laughs> <laughs> Four days, Minneapolis. Uh, kind of a steal, frankly, if you look at like the amount of entertainment you're getting. If you're into noisy music, especially. Uh, that's a you. lot. <sighs> sure is. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of Molly. Should we? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're having some surprises, yeah. But there, there's uh, there's some there's some really good stuff there, and uh, yeah. It's... What's the what's the Molly per act you're supposed to do? Uh, I'm like I'm a sorry. little bit behind on my uh, my Molly I'll, math. I'll, I'll get my Molly math. I think Molly <laughs> math is actually playing the after party on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Molly math. Oh, they do great work. They're second <laughs> records, classic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, tickets like available. This, yeah, tickets are available. And, and if you want a preview of this, you can go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com and get some Kona Neutron music that you can take home for yourself, download, whatever, however you want to do it, all before the show. Um, do whatever you want. So, I get paid either way. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Grand Old Opry would be the worst place to take Molly. <laughs> it would probably depend on who's performing. Or do you mean while performing? I'm. I'm. No, I mean like if you if you're like in the never. seats, like listening to that, uh, you know that that old that old country western shit, and you're rolling fucking balls off. Must Molly. be doing something right to last two hundred years. Oh my hey. god! Hey, you're like building the chair, and you're like, oh, Haven Hamilton. <laughs> what you got? Hey, Hamilton. Can you just be like a, a Hendrix fan on acid, doing like uh, playing banjo, you know, and just like. Uh, up on stage, starting to sweat. The banjo's uh, getting weirder. Start looking like frog. If I want, if I want pig, I I, I need you to get me pig. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he wants he wants he wants the piano player to cut his hair. Who's like the music supervisor on the show on the movie? Or yeah, something, if I remember correctly, or like some somebody did the production. Uh, I think that uh, the idea of performing while under the influence of like any any sort of drug or whatever that's 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 extremely not my shit i do know bands that that was like that's like all their thing that's all they seem to do it seems to work out fine for them it seems terrifying to me but <laughs> yeah guess i'm just built different well i mean it's it's yeah. dj mostly that i feel like play on molly and it's like i i know like i can tell you some cow stories some butthole surfer story that i mean they, they were just like it was like a rolling party with some of these bands where it's like okay but i'll say a molly specifically because you have your fucking stupid turntables out and you're feeling them and I feel like that's why they get into <laughs> sure. what they're doing. They're like, yeah, yeah, on my hands. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there won't be any of that at Catterwall. If you don't want to see that, go to Catterwall because there won't mm -hmm. be. Yes, so it'll be actually like real bands doing real music. I, I can't speak to Molly. Maybe there'll be some. Maybe there won't. There's certainly, I can tell you why. Catterwall. There. <laughs> there, uh, there, there was some floating around last year. I'm like, where'd that come from? It's Catterwall. <laughs> It's the, yes. this the most <laughs> the orange tops. Exactly. Come down to the cat. So Christina has well, a still my uh, show. Wow. Yeah. Huh? What? Yes. Oh. So yeah, I bought by Coden's Molly. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's pure. It's wrapped pure. in vinyl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weirdly, it, it comes as an extra along with a download code. So it's a download <laughs> code, and then and you get some Molly, and you get some vinyl. So what? What more do you need out of that? Yes. 
But Christina has a great Twitch show, um, which y'all should be watching. Is that Polly um, Pooh or is that a different drug? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Sorry, coming but... up this week? Uh, just streaming. Uh, you know, Trump didn't get arrested, which we all kind of expected. Oh, shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Apparently he died, Amazing. but who knows? R.I.P. King. Um, <laughs> everyone's making photos of him riding up. Like, Trump can't run. What the fuck, guys? Come on now. I love I the AI, art, AI photos. What did he can't well, run? People keep making AI art of like Trump uh, running away from cops. I know. I'm like, he can't run. Oh, really? Like, that's all making me laugh my ass off, though. Oh, one, so one, of them, one of them is eating a slice of pizza while they're trying to get him. He's like, <laughs> I, I, someone literally tweeted, leave out a well done steak and ketchup for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wow. you know he would be like eating pizza with a, a knife and fork like you know a savage such an elitist but yeah we're just gonna be talking about news and so that's coming up all right yeah yeah what drama else and, well not drama but like pop culture and shit you know you, you guys know why i talk about we yeah. shoot the shit we chill we chat we react but, but the point is that the audience that maybe doesn't know the stream maybe doesn't know that so oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's why people should Check out your stream. Yeah, subscribe. check, 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 check it out. Work, work. Oh, no, that's that wrong thing. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, you have a, a coffee, <laughs> coffee.com uh, slash uh, Cosmopolitics. Yes. So buy, buy Christina coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want to send her money, you just want to buy her stuff, you can go to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Cheapmolly.net. <laughs> <laughs> I think <it's> throne.me <laughs> slash Cosmopolitics. So if you want to buy me something off my Amazon wish list, I got a lot of cheap stuff. I want to kind of redecorate back here which by want, the way you want to buy your drugs off the dark web Brett Cooper, I'm <laughs> no, you know where you know I where my to eyes on you girl you steal you steal my aesthetic okay oh wow your bedroom is not even real sorry been called out all right it's like i'm in like a pro wrestling promo suddenly i'm just saying she and i got beef put you in the ring <laughs> <laughs> i could probably be your ass anyway <laughs> Oh god, her knuckles aren't cracking. And that's what her All show's right. like. <laughs> yeah. Also, a lot of uh, people yeah, call me mom. Now, which not... I don't mind at all. Mom? Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. By the way, guys. And I was just gonna add, since Nando's not here, check out uh uh Woke Bros with uh him and Waz. And he mm -hmm. also has he also has a new show. Uh what's it called again? I forget. Uh hold on. It sounded interesting too, and I I wasn't near my uh, podcast. Is it device, like about so. the, about Trump, right? Mega something? No, his new show. I think it's uh, Shoot Your Messenger, uh, Espionage, Murder, and Pegasus Spyware. It's about um, journalists that are uh, like it's about Jamal Khashoggi mostly, but it, it's about oh. journalists that are uh, you know killed and, and and tracked down by different regimes. Yeah, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. By the way, guys, I just want to tell you. You can't put handcuffs on a guy like this. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm gonna. Uh, we we but, didn't we didn't mention it. I'm gonna be recording uh, some to, like tomorrow to like next Wednesday, so I won't be on the next show. But um, yeah, like it's. Uh, I'm very excited for that. It's been a long time, so we recorded yes. the next record. So. Uh, I'm have, happy that have, you're uh, being able to. We that. wanted to, oh, to rush into the Molly bit, is what we wanted to do, apparently. But uh, what's that, Andy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna miss that. You know, I'm happy that you're actually you know being able to do your art and uh, yeah. get, getting into the studio, which which is a whole thing that that uh, you know like like a level of creativity you might not always get a chance to 
to play around with at that level. You know, like it's not an everyday thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the da- dangerous nomenclature was recorded April of 2021, and that's the last time I recorded. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's just been stacking up for a while. So it's it's like past. And, 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 but like we are truly gonna miss you uh, next week. So you know, we're, oh, you'll you definitely, be in our we definitely are. We're we're replacing you with Andy's uh, professor from <laughs> from a, an Asian studies class. Professor, <laughs> okay. That's uh that's, that's what we've brainstormed so far. But uh, you know, I I I feel like I feel like you'll you'll be next to uh you know the Lily Tomlin's uh black gospel choir in 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 Nashville that uh you'll be in the next room recording and <laughs> which yeah. which brings me did... to final thoughts. Yeah, Conan. yeah. Oh my God, that wasn't even final thoughts. You're right. Like I, I feel like we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wait, I'm first now. Okay. It wasn't I, no, I I never really like go by an order. I don't know. Really? It's always I think it's always the same. But anyway. Uh well, okay. So this is pretty much the OG of the tapestry film, I think they call it, right? Uh Altman would later revisit a great success with the excellent shortcuts. Paul Thomas Anderson later uh giving credit for it. Fake news for Magnolia, but fake Magnolia is good over 20 years later, though. Uh you get five days in Nashville where you get 20 plus main characters that are interacting with each other in overlapping narratives, stories, interactions, uh, total vibes, but a lived in world. So it's ambitious. It's ingenious. It's a technical Marvel. Uh, it's one of the reasons why Altman is so underrated as a director, frankly, uh, he's a very impressive director. And I think because he has such so many movies and people only remember like four or five of them, but it's a lot of movies, uh, but it's packed with enough storyline engagements for a few seasons of a prestige TV show. Although apparently there is a prestige TV show called Nashville. Although how prestigious is it really? If I haven't heard of it, but anyway, uh, it's that girl, it's that girl that was, uh, in all those shows yeah, the time. Yeah, she, she's horrible. She's a horrible actress. Uh, <laughs> she has dreadful, dreadfully bad. Yeah. Not good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. She's beautiful because like, whew. anyway, sorry. <laughs> Sidebar. Not good. She's like, where's your co-host that, that said, like, he's recording. I don't know. You know, we just invited you on to rebuttal, but like. Uh... <laughs> that would definitely be a popular episode if she was on. Uh, Altman. Uh, yeah, he managed to make a film that makes a lot of sense, not just for that specific city, that specific time, but America in time. Right, right for the bicentennial. I think that's really impressive. And considering impressive. Uh, it lasted 200 years. <laughs> considering how great Albert is as portraying characters that are um not just good, not just bad, but human. He's he's very much in his element here, and that's one of the things that makes it a very exciting and cool film. And uh it's great to have Nando on to talk about it. It was great to cover it. Hope we should do some more Altman stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Christina, any any uh any final thoughts? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this film. I think, you know, it has a stellar cast. Uh, all the storylines are, like, woven together so, you know, beautifully. Um, this is probably my favorite Robert Altman film. Uh, for I mean, obviously. Not a big country music fan, but then again, I'm a huge, like, musical buff. And plus also with my love of, of Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn, it's like, you know, gave it a shot. And I've watched this film, like, three times, I think. So, yeah, I give it a... Like ten out of ten cowboy hats. <laughs> All right. Yeehaw. <laughs> ten out of ten out of ten yees and ten out of ten haws. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh Eddie. 
Uh, I got to say this, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I have not seen this movie since I was a small child. Um, this was like one of those ubiquitous things that was uh, on television a lot, especially in Atlanta, um, you know, being that close to Nashville. Um I mean, not that Atlanta's that close to Nashville. But, but, <laughs> they're, uh, they're like, they're like, they're like look at those. No, but they're like, they're like, look at, look at those uh, Tennesseans over there, over the border. Like, uh, they're what hicks people in fucking. Yeah. We got hee-haw on TV. Uh, I mean, granted, Dukes of Hazard was uh, filmed in Georgia, so, so like that was a big point of pride uh, at the time. Um, and, and we also, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, D- WSM, which uh, interestingly enough, like like uh, when, when they first started off playing the radio and broadcasting uh, uh, what was known as Hilly Billy music back in the 1910s and the 1920s. Oh my God, he's turning into Barbara Jean. <laughs> play a song <laughs> that's what they called it but no um uh they, they actually broadcast around the world so, so around the world i actually got to hear uh that, that stuff um which is just i, I always found that that, that history fascinating and, and there is like so much history that's behind everything in this movie that that uh not just the characters but like the places the uh in, in the film too so, so there's a great rich history that that adds to the tapestry that that makes it even richer um than, than you necessarily realize so there you go all right well um conan you know we wish you the best of luck on your recording i don't know if you'll ever come up with a banger that sounds better like that than this 